A lot of people don't talk about money because they feel they're going to be judged often because they feel like they're not living up to expectations or their friends have more money than them or, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses. I think it's just, you know, trying to overcome that fear of missing out. Don't do something just because your friends are doing it. Do it because you genuinely want to and genuinely if you can afford to or budget for it on a month-to-month basis, especially now that things are opening up. Hi. I'm Emily Bellet, the founder of Aspot.com, a thriving community that financially empowers women, author of You're Not Broke, You're Pre-Rich, and host of The Wallet. Today, I speak to Kalpana Fitzpatrick. She's the finance editor at Earth Magazine. So she writes for publications such as Cosmopolitan, Good Housekeeping, Red, Prima, and her relatable dragon-free articles cover a wide range of money management topics such as how we can break down the taboos that surround money and the importance of financial literacy. So today on The Wallet, Kalpana explains how we can open up the conversation around money with our friends, without judgment or shame, and how to overcome the FOMO, this fear of missing out, that leads to impulse spending. Having saved about a thousand pounds by reviewing a household bills and service providers, Kalpana gives us top tips for renegotiating deals to save money. And finally, the pandemic has made many of us more attuned to our finances, and we've seen a rise of interest in investing. Kalpana shares her personal story of saving and investing money and offers encouraging words to those who want to start investing. I'd also just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionB. PensionB has helped over 400,000 customers be pension confident. It enables savers to take control of their finances, by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. With Pension B, you can manage your pension like you manage your bank account, check your real-time balance, see your projected retirement income, and set up contributions and withdrawals all from the palm of your hand. Plus, you'll get human support from your very own UK-based account manager, or as Pension B calls them, Beekeeper. You can sign up to Pension B today with the names of your old pension providers in just five minutes, And if you're self-employed, you can start a new pension from scratch. As always with investments, your capital is at risk. Please note that the information made available on this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. If you have any questions, you should seek advice from an independent financial advisor. Good morning, Kalpana. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Emily? I'm fine. It's nice to see you. Yes, thank you. Nice to see you too. <laughs> so we, we speak actually very often about money during events. So you also super kind and interview me and feature Vespod in all your amazing publications. So it was nice actually for me to interview you <laughs> this time and ask you, <laughs> you. questions about money. <laughs> Can I please ask you to introduce yourself for people who, who don't know you? Sure. Uh, well, I'm Kalpana Fitzpatrick. I'm a financial journalist and um, always talking about money. So we share a lot of passions here, Emily, today. And I'm currently the finance editor at Hearst Magazines, which publishes titles like Cosmopolitan, Good Housekeeping, Red, Prima, Men's Health, etc. In a nutshell, that is me. In a nutshell, there's a lot more. There's a lot more. I have so many hats, you know, but we'll stick to that one. (laughs) Because writing for all these publications about money is not easy because you have lots of different 
target audiences also across maybe the different magazines and, and the different platforms. I remember actually when you took the role a few years ago and we met at, you know, our offices because you were, you know, already in journalism before that, you were also a money blogger. So how was, you know, your transition to then working for Erst and working across all these uh, publications on the money topic? Of course. Um, well, as you say, like I've been doing financial journalism for forever, what it seems like. Um, you know, it's where I started my career in financial journalism. I started at the Financial Times Group, uh, writing about pensions and investing, and then I freelanced for a while. So I was already, in a way, writing for a wide variety of an audience. And then when I joined Hearst, there was this opportunity to launch financial content into the magazines. It was a great opportunity, and I really enjoyed it. I think journalism is one of those things, you know, what you don't know, you go and find out and you're always learning, etc. anyway. So and it's a subject that I'm so passionate about. So, yeah, and because like I say, like, because I've always been writing for a wide variety of an audience, it was actually quite easy to kind of step into that role and start writing for a slightly different, but, you know, still a wide audience of all ages. And it's also been about women and money, actually, as well, which is, you know, something that I've been quite passionate about. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you used to to write your own blog also, and, and you were writing it mostly from, for mums. Yeah. Did it come from, you know, your personal, like, situations and issues and challenges that, you know, you've encountered? Yes, of course. So whilst I was freelancing for a few years, I also launched a blog called Mummy Money Matters at the time. And um, that really came from my, I suppose... I was pregnant at the time and at the same time I found a lot of friends were pregnant as well and they were coming up to me and saying, you're a financial journalist, tell me about this and tell me about that. And that's when I realised actually there's so much information out there um, and where does, you know, someone go for that information and it's not always easy to understand. It was very mind-boggling and so I just decided to launch this blog and it was just easy to access information, one-stop shop financial information for mums and dads and now I'm writing it for the world <laughs> yeah no exactly that's what I was about to say now you you have like such a big platform also with the launch of you know financially fabulous you did lots of events and yeah you have a team now working across all this platform which is fab but for you how as a um, financial journalist I'm always super impressed because you've been in the industry for so long you've been writing about money I've been in this industry, but for, you know, personal finance for much, much less, like maybe, you know, five years. How do you research your articles and learn, like keep learning about money? Because I feel the topic of money, it's, you know, is the same and we can tackle it from, you know, different angles. But how do you keep, you know, your passion and keep, you know, writing about it and trying to find new ideas and interview new people in the space? Do you know what? I think one, it comes down to a excellent book of contacts. I've been in the industry for some years now and there are people that are kind of like, in a way, I say, grow with me. And when I meet good contacts, you know, I stay in touch with them. And there's always developments in the industry. Like, for example, at the moment, I'm getting a lot of people talking to me about investing, um, sometimes about bitcoins as well. We've had the pandemic where people are more attuned to their finances more than ever before. So there's always something happening, I feel, in the world. And, you know, I always try to look at it from a news angle as well. So, oh, this is happening. This is really important to my readers. But also, personally, um, I always get a lot of people asking me questions via DMs on Twitter or Instagram, which kind of gives me a sense of the sort of things people want to know about. And sometimes they just want to ask a question because they're really lost and 
I get asked about investing quite a lot, which is interesting because people have never really thought about investing before, but yet they are now because people are understanding that interest rates aren't that great. And some people have made savings. Other people ask me about debt because of what's happened in the past 12 months, etc. So I really, I think it's just about the more I talk to people, uh, whether that's my readers, my followers, or the industry contacts that I've made over the years, and you kind of get a feel of what's important. And it's, it's just something that I, I really enjoy doing. I've really, I'm really passionate about it. So just keep going. And there always, always seems to be something happening in the world that is relevant. Yeah, keep going, publish amazing content. And, and I think what you write is very, you know, relatable. And, you know, when I look at just Cosmo, for example, and I know my, my community, they will, they will read these articles and they will find it really interesting and they will always like learn something and there's no jargon. So I think it's quite refreshing to see now very like, you know, smart and well-researched articles in, in these types of, of publications. Thank you. And I think that's really important what you just touched upon about keeping it jargon free, because one of the things that sometimes when I talk to people is like, they'll read something and I really don't understand it or, you know, they're reading something that... So I always try and incorporate an element of education into whatever I write. So it's like, you know, I'm telling them what the problem is, but I'm also trying to tell them what they can do about it and just really keeping it simple and accessible and as you say jargon free and I think that is so important and I know you do that really well as well when you do your workshops. No thank you and if we take a step back and think about you know maybe childhood your your early years were you taught about money with with your parents was it like a something you were discussing as a as a family? To be honest yes but this is a very uh, a cultural issue I'd say so my parents are obviously um, they're Indian and in the Indian culture there's, there's a few things one when you get given a gift it's always money which is good but it's so it's so normal so money wasn't like you know it was yeah. given to me and you know I kind of appreciated it sometimes and sometimes like just want a present that's when I was a little kid obviously but also my parents you know they had their own business um they came to the UK in the 60s so it was hard work for them as well um yeah. I just felt like my parents were always like such hard-working parents because I felt that you know they they come new into this country they had to work really hard they worked hard on their business when they sold their business I saw them hard to save up for their house that my mum was so frugal, she hated wasting, I never saw her waste food and she would always, you know, hated the idea of wasting food. So I guess for me, it's what I saw rather than what we talked about. Which is super important also. Yeah, we didn't sit around the dinner table and talk about finances in that way or savings or anything like that. But yeah, it was just like, it was around, I, saw, I just saw them work really hard and you know, I saw their struggles, I saw their successes. And that was really, that was just like there, the messages were there without them actually speaking. But one of the things I'd say my dad did do, and I'm really glad that he did do was when I was about 12, 13, I think he took my brother and I to the high street and opened, he said, just choose whichever bank you want. And we had a few more banks on high street then, uh, whichever <laughs> you know bank account you want to open. And at the time, I just wanted a free gift that come with the bank account. And it was, but it was the start of my savings journey because, and it's what I mentioned earlier about how you always got cash gifts in the Indian culture. And he was like, well, you know, you've got to save it somewhere. So why don't we go and put it into a bank account? And I started putting money into that account. I don't know why I didn't spend it. Um, 
But anyway, so but I really enjoyed watching the money grow, and then I got the buzz for it. I was like, oh, this is really exciting, and it kind of become a bit of a competition with my brother as well, who can save the most. And then at sixteen, I started a Saturday job because one of the things my parents would always said that they wouldn't fund my materialistic desires. So, you know, if I wanted a lot of stuff, it's like, well, you're going to have to work eventually and get your own stuff. So those lessons started coming in as I got a little bit older as well. And that was basically, you know, the start of my savings journey. Nice. Great, great habits. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you do the same now with your with your kids or do you have like a few things? <laughs> yeah, you know, so I it's a bit different because the world has changed so much. And this is what I was talking about earlier. You know, things are always evolving. I have two little boys and they have both been in a bank. I made a point about taking them into a bank, but everything's online and it, it's not quite the same. But however, they have their, I've given them both like their own sort of prepaid card, which they haven't used because of the pandemic, but they know it's there and I put pocket money onto it. So it's, it's quite a digital world for them. And even when they get cash gifts, which they still get, it just goes straight to their junior eyes. So I don't think they even know sometimes that I'm doing that. It's a bit different, but I, and also because my husband and I are both financial journalists, in a way they're kind of growing up with those money messages around them without us having to really talk about it. Yeah. Um, But sometimes I read my articles, which is nice. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) And this your photo in the papers. They're proud. (laughs) Yeah, I I think the messages are there. But I I have to say it is a lot harder um, to teach children about money at the moment because one of the challenges I found as a parent is it's the virtual money world where they can buy virtual money on games and trying to teach them that this is not where you want to keep spending your money and trying to teach them that versus saving for bigger things rather than just games yeah and also i mean as a parent if you're not a gamer i mean for me it's i mean my my kids are very young so they they don't play (laughs) but um i guess understanding what's the value of you know spending money in in games if you know that's not something you do for yourself i'm sure that's a challenge for you to come (laughs) yes i know i'll call you (laughs) it will get there i'll be asking for (laughs) v-bucks so so now i mean of course like your job is talking about money writing about money all day but in the end, you know, what is what is money for you? Did you manage to, you know, take a step back and really think about yourself? I mean, it's like me, we talk about money all day and stuff, but we also have to look at our personal finances and sit down and, and think think about money, have this conversation about money. So yeah, where, where, where do you stand today? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, my mum has always been so independent and I think she just drilled that into me that you have your own money, you stand on your own two feet, no matter what happens in life, whether you're yeah. married, not married. They didn't want me to rely on them for money and they don't want me to rely on anyone else for money. So for me, it's financial independence, you know, living the life that I want to live, but also knowing that I can stand on my own two feet and I have got my own finances in good order to be able to do that. So that's, yeah, so essentially it is financial freedom for me. I've also grown up to be, I like security, <laughs> I always like, not just always with finances, but whatever, I like to feel secure. But in a way, having my finances in order makes me feel secure. And I I don't like the idea of not having that security at all. Um, So that's quite important to me. And I guess that's a bit of my personality as well. Just I feel, you know, it just makes me feel secure. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of always looking at your finances, I think that's... um, quite important and I I like to say that you know I practice what I preach and that's why I'm so passionate about it I guess because especially if if I do something and I do it really well I want to share it 
Um, and I think there's a lot to be said to speak, be speaking from experience. Yeah. And often we associate money or like net worth with, with self-worth. And I think we, we see that a lot more at the moment because we've been spending a lot of time online, but also on our own. So, you know, comparing ourselves to others. And I, I actually ran a workshop about debt last week. And, and we talked about the fact that, you know, you should never feel judged or devalued when you have any financial difficulties. But sometimes people will lack maybe respect for you. It can be, you know, your bank. It can be, you know, people around you, maybe your family. So how do we make sure, you know, we keep up when we're financially challenged or when we start to question our self-worth because of, you know, money issues or maybe mm. because we just think I have less money than a friend, so I'm worth less than that. You know, we know we shouldn't be doing these things, but, you know, it, it happens. So how do we make sure, you know, we, we keep up even in when, when we face these financial yeah, difficulties? Yeah, it's and, and you're so right, Emily, because I feel that a lot of people don't talk about money because they feel they're going to be judged often because they feel like they're not living up to expectations or their friends have more money than them or, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses. Now, I've always been brought up. My mum used to have a saying, if I can remember it, she said, um, you know, you shouldn't knock down your hut just because someone else has got a palace. And what she was trying to say is that, you know, live within your own means and just your rich might not be my rich. Yeah. Um, you know, it's what you're comfortable with. It's always great to be ambitious, but and it's interesting because a lot of sometimes when people say, you know, what's the one money question you might want to ask me? And they'll say, how do I get rich? But what does, what do you define as rich? You know, my rich might not be the same as yours, Emily. Um, so I think for me is try and think of it in a way that you're, you're comfortable, you're secure. Um, and I'll say that word because, you know, that's how I like to feel. And also what's quite important is, and I was speaking to a friend about this the other day, is a lot of people have stuff but that is not a reflection of their wealth so don't you know think oh that person's got a nice car that car could be on credit and actually they might have a lot of debts because of that car and it's also um, understanding what's important to you so spend money on the things that's important to you and don't worry about fear of missing out or anything like that because that's just going to drive you into debt because yeah. I think you need to yeah understanding what's important to you understand what what does rich mean to you what's important to your life and what makes you feel comfortable and let that be the driver when it comes to your financial goals keeping up with the joneses isn't going to help you financially to get to your goals at all yeah and you're right talking about money you know with friends with your partner with families maybe the first step of actually understanding this and understanding that we all come from you know a different place we have different values around money and you wrote this article in in cosmo you published it like uh, last week how to talk to your friends about money so do you have a few tips around actually starting the conversation and how can you you know prepare and and and, and really start opening the conversation with uh, with your peers do you know it's it's such a difficult one and i really want i loved writing this article because it's something i get asked about a lot and it's something that i've had personal experience of in the past as well now people don't want to just go in and start talking about i earn this much i earn that much you might not necessarily feel confident about that but i think it's okay to not see it as a taboo subject. So you might not want to be, you know, you're not going to be very popular at the dinner table if you start talking about finances all the time. But I think, you know, if you're like, for example, one of the questions that I addressed in that article actually was about um, splitting the bill. 
And in fact, we see this in an episode of Friends as well, <laughs> where they split the bill and one person earns more than the other. And it's like, well, it's not an equal split. So just being able to say to your friends, we're going to go out, but I'm on a budget. And that might actually help open up the conversation because just saying to someone, I don't want to go to a certain restaurant or I don't want to, you know, I'm only going to have this because this is what my budget is for this month. They might share that as well. Like, oh, I'm glad you said something because that's how I feel as well. So I think it's just, you know, trying to overcome that fear of missing out. Don't do something just because your friends are doing it. Do it because you genuinely want to. And genuinely, if you can afford to or budget for it on a month to month basis especially now that things are opening up and I would say you know if you don't feel confident about talking about salaries that's fine but you can go in and talk about you know do you get a pension at work and are you paying the full amount I pensions is a great opener actually because I talk about pensions to my friends sometimes just saying you know um do you max it out do you know you know um do you pay more than you know what the basic auto enrollment requirement is and I'll just say, oh, yeah, I only paid a basic or, oh, I'm not saving anywhere near as much. We're going to be really poor when we're old. Um, so it could be anything else, but it doesn't have to be about your salary. And I think that's what people initially think when, oh, uh, let's talk to our friends about money. And they instantly expect to talk about their salaries. It doesn't have to be about that. It can be just about budgeting or it can be about bonuses or pensions, whatever, anything else. Or actually you could just do a savings challenge with them just say oh I'm having a no spend month and do that with them it's sort of the leading the way into that conversation but you don't have to talk about salary what you know I know we always say that we should women should talk about their salary because we have a gender pay gap and it you know it opens up those conversations but you should talk about what you're comfortable with but you should certainly not see it as a taboo subject yeah I I, I agree with you and uh, I mean it's quite hard to have this first conversation but you realize your friends actually I mean Most people are quite happy to talk about it and it's not giving up your big numbers or what, you know, whatever they are or how much debt you have, but rather, yeah, sharing good financial habits and good practices or maybe a book you've read or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It's interesting because like all throughout my years with my friends, I'll happily, and a lot of people probably can relate to this, is like skincare advice oh yeah I use this cream uh, it's really expensive and I use that so we're happy to talk about things like that mm. and I pick up good habits for my friends and they might pick up good habits for me but when it comes to finance it's like everyone's like let's stay quiet so I think we need to just be confident to come out of that yeah and and when we talk about good habits again you wrote this really good article so I will add everything in the in the show notes but how I saved 1000 pounds <laughs> in in one afternoon for good housekeeping And here you talk about mostly like renegotiating bills. So can you give us a few easy tips that anyone could apply to their finances and just make a nice saving for for the months and for the years ahead, basically? So yes, I did write that article. I was <laughs> proud of the fact that I managed to do that £1,000 saving. And it was literally uh, <laughs> reviewing my bills. So switching broadband provider, switching energy provider. Now, a lot of people sit on these month on month and 12 months go by and then you get onto a more expensive tariff. And and you never you never do it. You never check it. You, d you have to check it. You have so, to, yeah. You know, if you haven't reviewed your energy provider for over 12 months go on to you switch do it you, I did that for my dad actually and he saved about 500 pounds on his annual bill so do it um if you haven't reviewed your mortgage if you've been on a fixed rate you might be on a standard variable rate which might be a bit more do that that could save you thousands annually um 
So, yeah, I mean, literally just go in, what you haven't reviewed, review it, see if you can get a better deal. Um, one of the other things I often do is make use of cashback sites, but I only use them for things that I'm going to buy anyway, anyway not okay. just because it's, yeah, yeah. so, um, and that, that can bring in a bit of extra cash. Um, so, but yeah, essentially, main thing is review a mortgage, energy provider, your insurances, take out any things that you're not using but paying for. Yeah, I know a lot of people might have during the pandemic um, signed up to Disney Plus, Netflix, Now TV, et cetera, et cetera. Are you still using them all? You know, if you're not using them, just, you know, ditch them. And um, are you using any money management apps? I know, you know, you've been reviewing a few while, you know, writing your, your articles and stuff. In terms of like the new like fintech platforms and stuff, what do you think is, is useful? Yeah, so personally, I use a challenger bank, which does a lot of that stuff that the apps do. So it really depends. But I know a lot of people might not want to necessarily open a, a new bank account. So there are so many apps out there that just do everyday budgeting for you. So I quite like Yolt. I use Darling Bank, which is obviously the bank, which is great. I've looked at investment apps recently as well. There's been a lot of talk about investing, obviously. Um, and I wanted to really just flag some that can just really get you investing in quite a sensible, small way, easy way to build that confidence. So I think depending on what you want to do, whether it's budgeting or investing, apps are really, really useful and really easy way. I'm actually a bit of a fan of fintech anyway. I think it makes things so easy for people, sometimes too easy, maybe. But The world is digital, it's so digital at the moment. But for investing, I think they're a great way for anyone to start. Personally, I think, you know, I'd say do it because if you've never invested, it's on your phone, it's easy, it's accessible. But I would say if it's investing, obviously do your research, etc. And if you it's budgeting, then there's so many budgeting apps out there. If you don't want to just stick to an app, then take a look at some of the um, challenger banks like um, Starling yeah. and Monzo, for example, which bring in all those budgeting features as well. And there are so many features, but one of the, the things that they do really well is just actually help you manage your money. Now, you've probably come across people, just like I have, that said to me, I'm always in overdraft. I can never save. I never have enough money to save. So some of these apps can help you achieve those goals. And it's all about small steps and, you know, making such a big difference to people's lives. Yeah. I'm talking about investing, actually. And, and we talked about that. I mean, I think the first time we met, can you tell me, you know, how did you start investing money and, you know, how do you do it now? How do you learn? Because I, I know, I mean, I know you're investing, but, you, you know, how, how can someone who doesn't really know where to start can, yeah, can get started? So I'll start with like what I've done. Um, I actually didn't stop investing soon enough, really. Um, When my dad taught me about saving, he only taught me about putting money into a bank account and never really um, spoke about investing, probably because he didn't know about investing. Yeah. And also, like a lot of people today, probably didn't trust investing, which I'll go on to in a minute. So my first step in investing was I went backpacking and I took a sabbatical and I decided, hold on, I can't use up all the money that I've got in my savings account. So I'm going to put some money into an investment account I didn't actually know what I was doing at the time and I just put it in there it's now worth almost triple of what I put in there and it's still there and it's great and it's I try to forget that money isn't there now just it's there and it, you know I never use it I never take it out but since then I've been putting money into an ISO on a you know monthly basis 
So I pick my own funds, but I do a lot of research. And I think there is an element of doing your own research there. And I read things like Money Week, which is an excellent source of getting an idea of what sort of things you might want to invest in. I'm not talking about shares, I'm talking about um, funds with the odd shares here and there. But for anyone that's never done it before, I think the first thing is stop telling yourself you don't have enough money to invest. That is the one thing that people say to me all the time. I'm not rich enough to invest. I don't have a lot of money. Well, actually, you can start investing with a pound nowadays. So there are uh, providers like Wealthify, for example, and Moneybox, which let you start with such a small amount. So if you've never invested, take a look at these digital providers and just start. And I spoke to someone not long ago who said, actually, I started using Moneybox and I've saved a few hundred pounds, which I never thought I could because I don't have that ability to save. But because it's all automated and automation is really important. So, you know, set up a direct debit or with Moneybox, it's going to round up your loose change. So overcome that, you know, don't tell yourself you're not rich enough to invest because actually by not investing, you're losing money anyway because of inflation, as you know, is like super high. The good thing about um, if you go to what I call robo-advisor, what they will do is is that you go through like an element of gamification and you'll answer questions about your attitude to risk, um, et cetera. And then they'll recommend the funds for you and then you they'll put the money in the funds for you. So you actually don't have to do much, just put your money in. Um, and as you build confidence over the years, you might want to start picking your own funds and then you can move to another platform. Yeah. And finally, I would say, even though we talk, we should talk to our friends about money, don't use them for financial advice. <laughs> okay, if you're going to sit on a park bench and talk to your buddy about investing in Bitcoins or whatever it is, or buying a trendy share, it's not going to work. That's not where you want to be going. Read a lot. There's so many sources out there. Read stuff with credentials. You don't necessarily want to go onto social media or TikTok to get your financial advice. And if you're really, really unsure, it's always worth seeing a financial advisor, depending on your financial situation, because you don't need one just to open a stocks and shares ISA, for example. But if you've got a really complicated situation, a lot of finances to sort out, then it might be worth paying a financial advisor to to guide you and help you plan what you do with your finances and your wealth yeah and how can people start researching maybe green funds or ethical funds if they want to have more of an impact with their money or if they think that you know the money they have is not invested in things they they believe in where you know where can they they find some information and, and what platforms can can they use so a lot of actually providers now have what they call ethical funds And in fact, I think if I'm right, and you can often tick boxes where you just say you want to invest ethically, and that actually includes your pension as well. Have a look at what they're investing in. Make sure there is an element of greenwashing in there. I.e., say they're being they're saying they're ethical, but actually they're not. It does come down to research. I think there's a website called Ethical Consumer and Good with Money, and they both talk about sort of ethical funds. Do your research. I would say do your research as well. Have a look on the websites. I know a lot of them now have a tick box option for ethical funds. And actually, quite recently, I met with um, an investment, new investment provider called Climate Eight, and they're all a. It's an app. It's an investment app. They basically only offer 
ethical funds. And again, it takes you through a process where you answer questions based on your risk and your attitude to investing, and they'll recommend one of three funds for you to invest in, and they're all ethical, um, run by fund managers. Um, so that's worth a look at as well. Thank you, Kalpana. And and just to to finish off, what are the main topics that your readers want to hear about? They want to read about these days. Is it more you know investing, or or also maybe some you know financial challenges? What do you expect over the next uh, few months? Yeah, I'd say it's a, a bit of a mix of things. I think it's about investing. It's about I think that's a bit of a taboo subject. People are quite embarrassed to mention it, but people do want to know about it. And also just generally, people are looking for instant gratification when it comes to saving money. Now, investing is great, but it's a long-term game. You have to be in it for a good few years to really start seeing the rewards out of that. But a lot of people are now looking at um, ways they can save money immediately. And I guess a lot of people just, yeah, how do I get rich now sort of thing. Which is fine. That like, we 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 spoke about it earlier about you know how can you save thousand pounds in an afternoon? There are things, and you know you can do that will give you that instant gratification. Just generally, people just want to be better with money, and it's great. I think now more than ever, people are more attuned to their finances. People are thinking about money more than ever, and so that's why we love talking about it. <laughs> okay, I have three quick fire questions for you. What is the best financial decision you've ever made? Opening that savings account with my dad. <laughs> no, actually, I, I would say that was something I did as a kid and he made me do it. But I guess as an adult, it's just putting that money away into an investment account before I went traveling. And the worst financial decision? Gosh, uh, <laughs> buying far too many clothes when I was in my Saturday job. I, I wish I hadn't spent so much money on clothes that. I probably wore for a few weeks and then ditched. I was 16 to 18. <laughs> I do look back and think, what on earth was I doing with all those, you know? Yeah. And what are the things you spend the most money on at the moment? Uh, without a doubt, it's skincare. And I do it with no regret, by the way. <laughs> Good skincare. It matters <laughs> to me and that's important. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kalpana. Is there anything else you want to add or share with uh, anyone listening to this episode? I'd say um, please do follow me on Instagram and Twitter. So Instagram is Calpana Fitzpatrick and Twitter is Calpana Fitz because I am always sharing tips about money and um, yeah. So, you know, follow me and learn. We'll follow you. Thank you so much, Calpana. And it was so nice to see you. Yes. Thank you very much, Emily. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Wallet. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please do share with a friend or on social media. It also takes two minutes to leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts. And this does really help. Thank you and chat to you next week.